Welcome back, everyone. It's always so good to be here with you all talking about our wonderful profession and all its ups and downs. I know it's not been that long since the last episode, but for some reason, it feels like forever to me. I think it's because I was in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates over my recent and ridiculously late spring break. This trip is actually the basis for this episode's Keeping It Real segment. During my time teaching in UAE, I was able to see a lot of students interacting, and I even got to lead a big group of them in a move it, which was awesome. I'm still amazed, though, that kids all over the world are pretty much the same, in so many ways, at least. Not only that, but teaching experiences seem to be really similar, even when the environment and surrounding culture are obviously quite different. I went to two different huge international schools while I was in Abu Dhabi. Shout out to my friends at Raha International School and the American Community School. And I also got to work with teachers from other schools in the UAE and even some from India. And somebody who flew all the way over from New Jersey to take the class. While I was there, I once again realized that when it comes down to it, we're all dealing with the same stuff. Students who we love, who love their teachers, but are pushing boundaries, which can often make us as teachers feel overwhelmed and overworked, but we keep trying to do our very best. Or maybe, whether we're here in the United States or around the world, we're dealing with the ins and outs of our co-workers, our faculty, or our administration. I have a ton of respect uh, for these teachers who come from all over the world to work in very different places, away from their first culture, and many, if not all, of their friends and families. What's nice is we're all dealing with very, very similar situations in different settings, but we all still have this kind of fraternity of music teachers, and I think that's great. So let's get on with today's episode. Do you have a really good friend who is the perfect counterbalance to your personality? Well, famed teacher trainer Lindsay Jackson is one of those people for me. She's all zen and reflective, where I'm all reactive and, well, reactive. Lindsay teaches elementary music and choir in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. She got her bachelor's degree from Westminster Choir College and a master's of music education from the Hart School. And it was there where she served as the graduate assistant for Dr. Friarabin. She is one of the founding members of FAME, serves on the board of directors, and has been featured as one of our FAME teacher spotlight teachers. She earned her Kodai certificate and is very active in the Organization of American Kodai Educators and is past president of Kodai, New Jersey. Lindsay and some of her case students are featured in the new First Steps in Music in Action DVD from GIA Publications. And she is also one of the contributing authors to the Fire Robin Fundamentals book, which is also available from GIA. Today, Lindsay is going to talk to us about the way informances are a huge part of the fabric of her elementary program. You are really going to learn a lot and hopefully be inspired to try this in your own schools. So let's listen to the conversation. 
I am so happy to have Lindsay Jackson. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Missy. It's a pleasure to have you here. Lindsay is one of our dual endorsed teacher trainers with the FAME organization and currently the member at large, one of the members at large. (laughs) And uh, we've invited Lindsay to come here today to talk about informances, something that I think is a pretty, I mean, this is so cheesy to say, but hot topic. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. Lots of people, including myself, are interested but scared to do it. So we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But as I like to do with everyone so far, I want to hear and I want you to share with people a little bit about your background, like just even when you started music school, where you were going and how you eventually kind of got into the fame fold fame fold. <laughs> uh, well I did my my undergrad at Westminster Choir College and they have a fantastic music ed program and I was so fortunate to student teach with uh, Kathy Setash hmm. who is trained in both Kodai and ORF and so I remember really getting to experience both of those methodologies with her in my student teaching but I really connected with the Kodai methodology and so when I started teaching that first summer I did my level one uh, at Westminster Choir College and right. did it with with Susan Brumfield and so Kodai. that was after your um, student teaching was over yeah, after my student teaching. So I think the the student teaching experience inspired me to want to get Kodai levels just because I wanted sure. more training. Right. So I did my Kodai levels and then I went out and taught for a while and I went to a workshop where this gentleman, John Fire Robin, was the... <laughs> was he tall and lovely? He was tall and lovely. <laughs> and I remember hearing him talk about compound meter and all these, you know, sing for the class, not, <laughs> not with, the, with class the class and all these things. And I just remember thinking, wow, I really enjoy his philosophy and I really enjoyed a lot of the things that he had to say. So when I was looking at graduate programs, I looked at the Hart School of Music to uh, be able to learn more from him. Because that's where he was. For- that's where he was for a number of years. And so uh, I was privileged to be his graduate assistant for two years at Hart and got to work with him firsthand uh, for his undergrad methods classes, and um, then the rest is history. So I started <laughs> I started using his uh, methodology when I returned back to the classroom after my master's degree and found that it worked really well, and I had success with my students. Hmm. And then I, I got more interested in teacher training and wanted to work more with teachers, and so I applied applied to be an endorsed teacher trainer and, and we did our we did our, our first apprenticeship together we did um and later um we're gonna do a podcast together I don't know if you're aware of this or not uh where uh we're gonna talk more about kind of your traditional for lack of a better term because I never know what's say Kodai um training and what you think of John's version of Kodai. Yeah, that would be a fantastic conversation for another time because uh, actually I just helped co-author the chapter in the fundamentals book about that. So that's fresh in my brain. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I want to talk. I want to talk about that and talk to you because in my mind, I know there are lots of trainers who are um, Kodai certified, so I don't mean to take away from them. But for me, you're like an expert. I think of you when I think of kind of, you know, really being vetted 
in the Kodai Virtual Welcome. I'm also still really involved with OAKE, right. the Organization of American Kodai Educators, and I I love both organizations. So mm. I, I look forward to future conversations with you about that. Um, but we're here today to talk about informances. So I think for a person like me, you know how I am. I need to like, what is it? I need to grapple with it. What, how would you define to somebody who doesn't know anything about it? What is an informance and how is it different than a traditional kind of concert for an elementary school teacher? So I think I'll start with a traditional concert first. Sure. So I think when most people think of an elementary concert, they think of the stage with the risers or the, the chairs if it's right. an instrumental ensemble and the children standing up and singing at the audience. Right. And the audience is sitting in rows of chairs and lots of pictures. And they're passively taking watching it in the concert, passively taking it in, snapping their photographs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the especially in an elementary concert, you have kindergarten get up, they sing maybe two songs and then they sit down. And then mm-hmm. first grade goes up and they sing two songs and they sit down. So I well, first of all, those take a lot of time to prepare for because young children have to memorize all the words and yeah. all the things. So I was trying to think of a way to, A, make it more age-appropriate and developmentally appropriate for the children, also for me to not lose two months of planning. Sure. Can I ask you a question about that? I'm sorry. Um, do you mind talking just a little bit about your opinion of people who have to do, for example, pre-K concerts and first grade, uh, kindergarten concerts and first grade concerts. For me, I'm not a fan of that. Is there anything you want to say about that? So my, so when I got to my current school, I kind of followed the typical path how it was my first year because right. I was trying to understand school culture. Sure. I found it really challenging preparing my kindergarten and yeah. pre-K students right. for those types of formal concerts because th- they had pre-K through, anyway, um, d- those children are pre-literacy, so they can't right. read, so it's not like you can give them a lyric sheet, and so right. you have to spend weeks and weeks and weeks of your class time. Of your class time helping them memorize lyrics often the song repertoire has a large vocal range and so they don't really have the ability to right. sing they're all not tuneful the yet. they're not tuneful yet and i just i felt like it it i don't want to say it wasted class time because any musical instruction is valuable sure. to a certain degree but the class time could have been used better than spending so much time preparing yeah, for yeah certainly a doesn't concert. maximize class time right mm. so especially for the youngest children, I I felt like it wasn't appropriate. And from the parent perspective, they do get to see their child up on stage, but their child may be performing for three to five minutes. And then they have to sit through an hour of all (laughs) these other kids getting up and performing. And it just seemed like there was a better way to envision it happening. So (laughs) the second year that I was there... We tried something a little bit different. We put pre-K through second in one concert, quote unquote, and right. then third through fifth in another concert. Okay. And what pre-K through second did was they did lo- uh, smaller songs. So we did some of the little folk songs. I shouldn't say little. We did some of the folk songs that we use in our curriculum. curriculum. We had the children demonstrate a folk dance. We had one of the classes demonstrate a, a move it, which for people that don't know is is uh, choreography to classical music to right. demonstrate musical expressivity and 
the children had a lot of fun. Even the second the second graders de- even demonstrated some conversational solfege decoding oh, cool. and things, which to showcase some of the literacy pieces. It was really easy to prepare. The children had a lot of fun. The parents really disliked it. We got a lot of <laughs> negative feedback. I really? think they felt that it wasn't very substantive. Um, they really hated watching dancing because the oh, folk wow. dancing is kind of the same thing right. over and over and over again. Right, right. And so I sat down and thought, okay, how how can we tweak? We're this? getting there, <laughs> yeah. but this is not. We're not right. there yet. So I went and met with my administrator, and I said, I have an idea. What if for pre-K through second? we separated them into four separate events. So pre-K has their own event. The event will last 30 minutes. The kids will sing a couple small songs so the parents get their picture opportunity. So the kids do get up on stage on risers. They demonstrate pitch exploration. They demonstrate a fragment song. They demonstrate a simple song. And uh, so they're, they're performing. The parents can take their cameras out and snap pictures. Right. But then the children come down off the stage. The audience is set up in a big U okay. around the auditorium. So there's a lot of empty floor space. The kids come down. We make a little circle for every homeroom. And the parents then join their children in the circle. All right. Wait, can I ask one question? Yes. When the kids are on the stage, mm-hmm. this is a total Missy question. Great. Uh, and you have this big U. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's just all empty space it's while the just kids all are empty space. okay. I'm just envisioning the parent paparazzi like trying to get close I mean, up to the so, but it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Good. They 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 just, just sit and there's just that space. That's just that and space. they probably have in some ways a better view, right? Because, because there's nobody in front of there's them. There's no one in front of them. Okay, so, I just was trying to envision. So they're up there. They perform a few pieces that you've worked on, but they're. All or most from the curriculum? They're, they're all from, they're the, all from all first from the steps. Curriculum. Yeah. And then um, they come down, and you said they're sitting in. So if you had four kindergarten classrooms, mm-hmm. it would be four big circles. Right. And then you invite the parents to join the circle. That's wonderful. And then at that point, we have the children teach their parent a singing game. So awesome. they actually play the singing game with their parents. Right. We'll do another fragment song, have the kids do the call. So a fragment song we work on a little bit longer so the kids can do the call, their parents do the response. That's great. We have, a, we'll do a mirroring movement exploration where the kids and the parents do it together. Right. And then we will form either long way sets or circles depending on what folk dance we're doing. But we have the kids folk dance with their parents. So for Fantastic. for kindergarten, we did Zudio, which is just right. a really easy long way set singing game. Sure. And watching the kids sashay down the alley with their, with parents, their parents. And the parents loved that because they got so much face-to-face interaction time with right. their child. Right. The kids got to demonstrate mastery of the material because they had enough independence to actually yeah, teach their teaching parents. It. And instead of seeing their kids perform for three to five minutes, they have 30 minutes with their kid. And right. they're really seeing all all the things that their children are learning. And right. it still was very little preparation for me. Right, which is Because a, it's a all huge things plus. we're doing in class anyway. Right. So, you know, the one Echo song, we do practice a little bit more so that the kids 
can be leaders and learn you, the call when you say of that it. do you mean you're practicing it in the class in the in the more. music class okay more. i thought you meant efforts in the performance in the no so you're just working on it longer than you normally would in a first steps class right okay so let's say i'm doing um an echo song with my kindergarten i would typically bring it back 3 or 4 class periods and right. extend it in different ways yeah which is the normal first step normal first step so Maybe with that one, we'd end up doing it five or six times total just until I might say to the class, can you be the leader and I'll be your echo? Right. And so we we can practice that and just so that they know the words. Yeah. And the other thing I did for kindergarten was we took the song Tale Mama by Mia China Doll. Right. And we had done that. I brought the book back a couple times. And so the children knew the story fairly well. And so then they were able to sing that for their parents and that was a way to perform one thing that was a little bit more substantial yeah so I just I asked the question where where would we get the money from and the kids said you sound like you sound like her (laughs) Um, and the parents love that it's hilarious because that the whole progression of you know where would the kittens right where would did you tell me that you're um is it projected somewhere the book or no no i didn't i didn't do that do you think there would be any value in doing that of some or any reason not to do that the reason i chose not to project the book was because i wanted parents watching their children yeah oh yeah that's not watching the the book yeah that's Um, a good point for sure and i think also it helps them you know john always says the first time you do a song right just sing sing the story yeah and because once you've seen pictures, you're yeah. not imagining the story anymore. So I think it was a way to kind of keep sure. that. I think it's in my mind. I have, you know, it's like when you're doing these kind of traditional performances, you're always looking for a way to, you yeah. know, like performance it up. <laughs> you know, so it's like you should have something projected. You should well, have balloons everywhere. You know, if your parent population is expecting things like that. Yeah, you, you can. You, you can could, do it. You could do it. You could project the book up and that would add yeah, no, I, I see I see what you're saying. That's just why I chose not to do it. but uh, No, and that seems more authentic to do it that way and, and just more magical. Yeah. Um, but we live in a very, you know, media-driven society. So I can also see people being like, and they projected on the, you know, the big screen, the book. So interesting. So you could definitely, you definitely could do that. Okay, so. So then the parent feedback from that was fantastic. The parents Great. loved it. And can you tell me who you were doing that with at that so you separated it into four events, you said. Is that like pre-K, K, first, first and, and second? Yeah, I ended up not doing second this okay. past year. But uh, but that's what you did when you started, of, yeah. when you started kind of broadening the concept. Yeah. And because each one did the same thing? Like the same kind of format? The format was the same. Right. I was conscious of making sure they use different repertoire. Sure, sure. Partially because I wanted parents to see a progression. Yeah. And also, there was one family who had children oh, in man. and first grade. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, right. I want this mom to see right, the whatever. growth from pre-K to K to yeah. first. And not have to sit through the same thing twice. <laughs> same thing. So, uh, yeah. So, and then in preparation for doing it, what what I've done, uh, we chose to put it in February just because that seemed like a good month in terms of scheduling. Right. So then, what I do when we get back from winter break is I say, okay, kindergarten, these are all the pitch explorations we've done. What's your favorite? And they vote. And Which is I, really great that you're giving them some buy-in. Some buy-in. Yeah. Because then when I show up at the event, I can say to the parents, your kids chose what they're teaching you today or right. what they're showcasing today. Yeah, that's fantastic. Which is great. 
these are all the and then you can blame them too (laughs) they're like oh you hated that one well talk to your kid they picked it (laughs) so same thing these are all the echo songs which one do you want to share with your parents these are all our simple songs what do you want to share and just one per eight of the eight part workout i did two i did two fragment songs okay um but yeah okay and then here here's some singing games what form and expression do you want to share um so in pre-k we did a finger play and then we also did a a singing game so we had two form and expression is sure fun to teach parents because Absolutely. it's so interactive we did two different movement explorations um i'm trying to think pre-k did did not do a song tale what i ended up doing was singing a, a song tale at the end because it was just a way Too for much. them yeah yeah to share that experience with their parents listening which is to great the story which is great yeah. um and so with first grade, I just made sure to pick songs that were a little bit longer because, yeah. you know, they they're, were challenging them more. So sure, they and they're did, more capable at that point. They did call and response as opposed to echo songs, echo songs in the first grade one. And so then also I have the opportunity to speak to parents at the event briefly. I'm not going to go on a dissertation right. <laughs> or anything, but I can add in some pedagogy. You're about to, right. you're about to see parent your education. children warm up their voices, we're engaging their head voice, and this is what we're doing. Here's our roller coaster. Woo! Right. Whatever. Um, in first grade, some of you who have younger children or some of you that came last year remembered we did echo songs. This year we're doing call and response songs. That's more challenging because, you know, they have to keep the motive in their head even right. when they're hearing it's something else. It's a distracting else. pattern. Um, in first grade, instead of doing a keeping the beat activity, we did a brief thing in duple and a brief thing in triple okay and then we did that game of oh dear what can the meter be right. where i put on different examples of classical music and the kids and they have to, to go feel the micro beat on their right. body and then they had to get in groups of two and three and it was fun to watch the parents try to do that because the parents are like oh wait is this in two or three? <laughs> right i bet and they didn't do so well yeah and so it was great again for the for the parents to see we're we're teaching the children to discern meter in first right. grade it's and a big deal it's a big deal so it was great to be able to have the parents see all that learning take place okay um and like i said before folk dancing is not necessarily the most fun to watch, watch. but the parents loved doing it yeah so that was super successful and that's great because if you can get them to do that in the informant setting when if and when you do um an event a school-wide event or a grade-wide event for folk dancing they're gonna be like oh yeah you know i did because i have so many parents who the kids will tell me we're not coming because mom thinks she doesn't know how to dance (laughs) you know what i mean they love it absolutely everybody who comes loves it but they're but before it happens every year i have kids who say my mom said we can't go because she doesn't know how to dance it's amazing how many adults are intimidated Mm -hmm. by those types of activities and and we say we say before we call them music celebrations um at my school the informances just because that's what we call them and it sounds a lot nicer than informants informants um and we we say to the parents bring bring comfortable shoes and get ready to participate yeah but they don't necessarily know what that looks like and it's funny to watch them just kind of go with the flow right especially because their children are so excited to show them everything do you have a pretty good um percentage of parents engaging we we do yeah i mean we do we do say if if you're not physically able then you can watch uh but get off those crutches get out here (laughs) Uh, but the vast majority of the parents are are very happy to participate and how long 
Um, how many years about have you just a few years has it been it's like been four years okay. of doing this so has it changed a lot in the four years or do you generally keep it the same which the, is a beautiful thing if you do the the format really hasn't changed i, I changed the repertoire right. year to year just for my own right <laughs> <laughs> but the structure it's been very successful fantastic so why why change, change it? it yeah that's i think it's what a relief to people i know that you know music teachers really struggle with um losing class time you know and as dr fire robin says you know you have about 36 hours if you're lucky and never get sick and there are no snow days you know to teach your kids and i know even i um i'm just doing a sing-along this year uh it for the winter a lot and but even that i'm noticing because i thought oh well you know now we're not doing this it's so much time and I, I can it's feel I feel like I'm bleeding time out. And so the concept of taking what you're doing and what you're doing is so wonderful and delicious and good for them and you're just like, okay, so now we'll just do it here. Um, I think part of part of the inspiration was hearing Lily talk about just inviting parents to come to music class right. every now and then. Yeah. I think it was you know, music in the schools month or week or right, right. whatever. And I remember thinking, I would love that, but I don't really have room in my classroom for parents to do that. And how can I bring that into the informants? Right. And so really what I was trying to do was have it be parents just experiencing music class but i wanted there to still be that perfect snapshot snapshot because my administrator said parent parents want to be able to take pictures and i said okay so let's put them on the risers let's have them sing a couple things parents can take pictures and then we'll have them come down and actually that's really brilliant i think it's and it seemed like a really great balance the parents loved the the pictures and the but then at at the end of the day they loved all the interaction time with the children i think the kids loved teaching it I loved that I got to showcase some of the pedagogy and philosophy. Yeah, and um, no, it's it's been it's been really successful. Um, have there been any big challenges to doing it, or or has it just pretty much gone smoothly without too much pushback or things you had to change for logistical we, purposes? We or? got pushback the very very first year from parents who missed little Susie putting on her yeah. party dress and performing right. all the holiday music. Weird it, question. Can they put on a party dress and do this? Is that, do you just let them... What do they wear for this? We just, So at my school, I oh, teach at a private school, that's so right. we have uniforms. So we just say children wear their uniforms just to make life easy. Right. I mean, it doesn't really matter what they wear. The only thing is, because we're dancing and moving, I wouldn't want kids in... Right you know fancy shoes where they're gonna no be stilettos kids. moving right yeah or sometimes loafers have slip- slippery soles sure, or sure. party shoes whatever so i would just make sure kids are in comfortable shoes that they okay. can move in but other than that so so the first year you just had a little bit of you know you know longing for the old ways right i think it was just parents missing the sure. formal holiday thing thing with the <laughs> fancy clothes and right all right well and that's um, part of the reason why we put it in February because we knew if we put it in December, yeah, the expectation the is. expectation is that it's a holiday concert. Yeah, that's so. really smart. We do have a winter concert and a spring concert at my school where the band and the choir 
the bigger kids. The so. bigger kids perform. So that's primarily for fourth and fifth grade band and, and chorus. And we have a string program at my school also. So the, the strings perform. Okay. Uh, so so our second and third at this juncture not really doing any performance kind of they're thing, not really doing which a is totally fine formal music performance they have a number of events throughout the oh, year yes where music ends up being a part of it right so, and they're pretty big events so second grade does this whole desert zoo thing which is amazing which I won't get into now, but uh, but they, it's a very big, it's a big thing. deal, and they learn two songs in music class that they perform at that. So, and third grade has other other things that we incorporate music in in to other events, right? That parents are already coming to. So, okay, it's actually worked out well. That's really nice. I think if I were to have an opportunity to do an informants with second and third grade, it would probably look similar, just incorporating some more literacy, so mm-hmm. they could perform. You know, maybe you pick a song like, I have a dog, you know, and have half of the kids sing a baseline melody, have half the kids sing the folk song. If if you record her as part of your curriculum, incorporate that. Um, Have them demonstrate some conversational solfege steps just so the parents can get can experience that maybe right. even have the parents try decoding something <laughs> right. be fun. which is fun for the kids to see because right yeah. so just you know take what just take what you're doing in your classroom and and bring the parents in you could do more dancing have them have them sing a canon right that's teach the canon teach the canon and w- so is there a point at which you would say okay now it's fourth grade i really think we go the more traditional route or are you like if you could, if you had your druthers, like, you know, and you didn't have to do a band concert, you know, combined, I'm assuming they're combined. Yeah. So our, for the winter, bigger kids. Our, our winter concert is, uh, yeah, fourth and fifth grade chorus and band and strings. Okay. Would you, in fourth grade, if they said you can do either one, you can either have chorus performing with the band and orchestra, or you could do a kind of, you know, tweaked mm-hmm. informants. So obviously it wouldn't be an easy answer for you. Yeah, that's not an easy answer. I will I will say I, I love the informances because of the parent education piece, yeah. but they also at that point would have been doing it for a number of years. Right. I think so maybe. that what's special about the grade level chorus is that we, so we have fourth grade chorus built right. into the schedule and having the kids all sing together yeah. is fantastic. Yeah building community, having that common thing they're working on sure. is beautiful and choral repertoire is beautiful. So I do I do think there's a point at there's which there's a point at which it, yeah. it can become something more formal. Yeah, I mean I think that's what I was kind of getting at. If if you had your way and it was kind of like you're the only game in town from pre K to sixth grade, you know, would you say, okay, around fourth, I feel like that's time Probably, to start yeah. doing a more formalized because yeah. there's a place for formalized performance. Right. Um, I, I just had this debate with some people about, you know, mm. for me, early elementary is not about these performances. It's about getting them ready for the future, right. you know, making them or helping them become so musical that when it's time to do, you know, quote unquote, real life performance, they're so, it's so intuitive that it fits right. as opposed to like a cute you know, parade of picture taking experiences. So when you kind of reflect on the past uh, years that you've been doing this, what do you consider to be kind of the biggest successes of these? And you call them music 
music celebrations or musical celebrations? We call them music celebrations. <laughs> okay, good. I know you're laughing because I need to know which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> music celebrations. What? So what do you consider to be the the big takeaways like from from these programs or the things that you think are really successful about them? I think seeing the parents' faces as they're hugging their children goodbye, mm. um, seeing how much fun they had playing with them is what makes it all worthwhile for me. Yeah. And I know the parents really enjoy our formal fourth and fifth grade concerts and they love them, but there's nothing better than seeing this parent just with pure joy hugging mm. their child because they just sashayed down a long way set and they right. just had the most fun. Right. So I think just seeing that, the joy of mm. also the children just getting to teach their parents and getting to share with them, the interaction is just perfect. So it re- I feel like we're really fostering community and that feels really good. Yeah. And that's a big part of Dr. Fire Robin's uh, whole philosophy is you know right. music and synchronizing with other people mm-hmm. and when you can do that with your primary caregivers you know it's super important yeah it's really meaningful and i can imagine how proud the kids are the kids feel super proud yeah. because again they take ownership they say they've helped choose everything mm-hmm. that we've done and um and so i'd say another success is just the the independence that the children demonstrate throughout the event. Right. Uh, and it's all things that they could do without me. If you're in a formal concert, right. you can't do the choral piece without the accompanist. Or you right. Can't, but in the in, in the music celebration, they could just sing. They, they could just, just sing. Yeah. They can they can teach these games out on the playground. They could teach yeah, them at absolutely. their family reunion if they wanted to. Yeah. And then I think from my perspective, I feel like I have my time back in the classroom. So mm. again, instead of using 12 weeks prepping for this big formal performance in general music class with these littles, it maybe takes an extra two to three classes to just make sure, sure they're solid on some of these things. Right. That's but a lot that's better than like 10 classes. better than 10 classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To quote Michael Scott from The Office, it's a win-win-win. It's a win-win-win. <laughs> so if you were to meet somebody like me, you know, who thinks – Man, it's like, that sounds so good, but I don't think people will go for it at my school, or I actually don't think that, but I have met lots of people. Mine is more, I really need time to kind of sit and think through it. But if you met somebody who had a lot of reticence, um, what would you say to encourage them to kind of really consider doing something like this? Is there a way to start small with it? You could just start with your youngest grade and just do it with one grade. Sure. So if you teach in a K to five school, maybe just have it be a special kindergarten thing. And I think part of that is just looking at how child centered this event is. Right. So instead of it being the audience centered, it's it's really child centered yeah. because and it's so developmentally appropriate. The mm-hmm. children can develop independence, they can take ownership, all these things. And right. so I think talking to your administrator or trying to justify it to people, I think that's where you come from. How how can this be such a great experience for this kindergarten child? Right. If you're talking to somebody who's reticent, uh, like, you know, about starting what things would you say to them about 
you know. I think it de- it depends on why they're feeling reticent. Because if sure. they're feeling reticent because they are really hung up on the pomp and circumstance of a concert. Right. Because they want to buy the package music sure. thi- or whatever. Right. Uh, then yeah, the informants is not gonna. It's not gonna fit that right. need. I but mean, what if they're what if they're just nervous because they're like it's so different. I don't think my my community is going to be okay with this. You know, you, it's like if somebody said I've never used first steps. You know, you would say, well, here's why I think you shouldn't be afraid. And I think it's a beautiful opportunity to build community with your parents. I would really reinforce how interactive the event is for parents um so instead of just sitting and watching you get to play and move and create and do all these things with your child right so for parents it's awesome because they get to be so active for your administrator it's child-centered again the parents are going to be happy because it is so interactive and it's building community also, for your administrator, it's it's more child-centered, it's more yeah. developmentally appropriate, and it's not taking so much time away from your curriculum. Yeah, there's almost no, no reason not to do it. There's really no reason not yeah. to do it. And and if, again, with the pomp and circumstance thing, there there could be ways to, like you said, scan the book, project the book. There, there are ways to bring other things in if that's what you want. But I think the beauty of it is how simple it is and it's really just about the people and not about it being this big formal thing yeah and i like i like what you just said because i think that if you were kind of in a transition time you could kind of like glitz it up a little bit like you could have them do a move it with you know how people like to do the move it's with the stuff the and the, the black yeah and which i'm i really admire i'm not mocking it i just i'm like i can't yeah i'm too impatient to do that but you could and so if you put a couple of pieces in as you yeah. transition you know use the song tail book projected use that and it's kind of weaning everybody you know off of that and then the next year take maybe you think that wasn't really necessary. You know, right. even in my sing-along, it's like that I think, oh, my word, I program way too many songs. Like, this is crazy. It's going too long. Yeah. So next year, I'm taking three pieces out, which yep. is more time for me. Right. So there are ways to kind of phase yourself into it and mm-hmm. your community. But what I like that you're saying is, and I think this is powerful for people, you have seen firsthand um, the response of the parents, which if I had to guess, would be most teachers, uh, the thing they'd be nervous about, you know, that right. there would be this uprising as you experienced the very first time you did it, just kind of like, wow, we didn't like that at all, bring back the other thing. But it's so great that you're saying you've seen so much positive right. reaction. So again, just to reinforce my very first year, I did the traditional right, thing. The right. second year, I did that halfway in between thing, and yes, the parents I'm were sorry. like, what is this? You That's know? what I meant. And yeah. so... When we brought in the music celebrations, at first they were like, oh, it's in the... But they loved it. So right. they showed up not really knowing what to yeah. expect and right. whatever. But they ended up having the best time. And now, um, since we've been doing this for four years, the first grade parents are so excited. Because right. They've, they've heard about it. it right. And they know they've what's coming. They've done it twice. They know it's coming. They said, oh, we can't wait for that 
music celebration in February. Right. It's always so much fun. Um, some of the families invited grandparents this year because they wanted they wanted them there. So right. it, it turned into even more of a family thing, mm. which, I mean, you could control that or not if you have too many people. <laughs> right, right. But, but it was great to see them excited to bring other family members to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think that's what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm really glad to have you saying to people, I have seen this... Um, be extremely well received it's the right. same thing i say to people about family folk dance night i know it can be daunting they it's brand it. new for you but i am telling you mm-hmm. the parent response to it is so strong that i feel pretty confident even if i don't know your music program saying i think if you do this you're gonna be happy about it and you don't need to worry about the parents rebelling and having a mutiny no the the parents love these events yeah they're incredibly well received well thank you so much thank you for being willing to share because it's a lot of your work that you've put into it um i am uh, hoping that you'll come back to do a fame members only podcast where we can talk more about uh some of the specifics and i'm going to take you through a missy list of you know make you tell me first you do this and then you do this be happy to do that <laughs> we're the yin and yang of planning and it's a good thing i've <laughs> often said to myself just get your inner Lindsay. don't be so worried about the details <laughs> um but i would really like uh, to talk about the program that you make the actual physical program yeah i've i was really intentional with the program and yeah. i'm really proud of how it turned yeah, out it's beautiful it's, it's a beautiful thing so we're going to talk about that um and so you know you got to be a fame member and what's my question this year are you a fame member and if not why aren't you a fame member 60 bucks 50 if you do it during the membership drive whenever that is or if you take a class with a teacher trainer um speaking of which Take one of Lindsay's classes, bring Lindsay out to where you are, and she'll talk to you in person about this stuff. She is wonderful. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming and joining us. Thank you. So, okay, who's excited to totally try to do one of these kinds of informances next year? I'm definitely going to try it, even if it's just at a small level with my kindergartners. Hold me to it. One thing I loved is when Lindsay talked about how parents really appreciate the face-to-face interaction time while the kids are able to demonstrate mastery of the material they've been working on in their classrooms. So instead of watching their kids uh, in their grade perform for maybe three to five minutes and then having to sit through watching other grade levels, parents are getting 30 minutes of true quality time with their kids. Plus, they still get their photo ops, minimal preparation, outside of what you're already doing in your program, and almost nothing taken away from general music class. As I said in the interview, it's a real Michael Scott win-win-win. And I am going to try this in my own program, and I hope you give it a go too. In the future, I would love to have Lindsay back so we can talk through some of the details about starting like this from the ground up. As always, if you want to talk about this episode in particular, or ask questions, you can always email us at tunefulbeatfulartfulpodcast at gmail.com or start up a conversation on our Tuneful Beatful Artful Music Teacher podcast Facebook page or on the Twitter or Instagram accounts for the podcast. 
For this episode, our Ask Me Anything segment comes to us from down south in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and Ashley C., who says, I'm relatively new to Fire Robin's First Steps program and really enjoy teaching it. However, my Title I high-trauma elementary school students sometimes have a hard time sitting still that long. Sometimes I supplement with go-noodle dances in between lesson parts, but then I usually don't get to finish my lesson, 45-minute classes with K in first grade. We also have a lot of behavior interruptions that inhibit our learning time. Just wondering, what's the best approach to using the curriculum in a setting such as this? Well, I am in a Title I school too, Ashley, and I know that we love our kids while also understanding that there are a lot of needs to be taken into consideration, like the ones you bring up, especially how do we keep the kids engaged and as focused as possible. I have to say that in my own approach to the eight parts of the First Steps workout, I have almost zero downtime for the kids. This is something my principal and other administrators have commented on, that uh, the pacing of the class is very, very brisk, and the kids are highly engaged, and that's a good thing. And and honestly, this is for two reasons. Firstly, I only see them in 25-minute chunks, so I'm kind of forced to be efficient. And secondly, I do not have much in the way of formal transitions. While it might be nice, theoretically, to weave a story together throughout uh, my first step lesson, uh, to quote a great internet sensation and philosopher, ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) Uh, If you do have time for it, that's great. But for me, I've actually found a French benefit of um, having to move with such efficiency is this lack of transitional talk. And in that the kids are just engaged, they just move from thing to thing to thing. So I find that this very brisk unfolding of the eight part workout is in itself enough to keep my own students highly engaged, and fairly well behaved. I know that every one of our situations is unique, but hopefully this will help a little bit. Today's podcast is generously supported by the Fire Robin Association for Music Education please do consider becoming a member of FAME because, as I keep saying, there is a growing body of benefits for members. And by the way, this month, the month of Maying, is our membership drive. That means you can save $10 on your membership so that it would only be $50. Come on, it's a great bargain. So please visit org for more information because even though it's late, the new Star Wars Move It is coming and it will be for members only and you don't want to miss it. If you have questions you'd like me to answer on future episodes or ideas for interview topics or just general questions, please email the podcast, like I said earlier, at tunefulbeatfulartfulpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to find out more about Dr. Feyerabend and his programs and resources, then please visit www.giamusic.com slash Thank you so much for listening, as always. And I really hope it was encouraging to you, made you laugh, was thought-provoking, and most of all, helpful. Please tune in for our next episode, and until then, keep doing everything you can to create a more tuneful, beatful, and artful world. Mm -hmm.